Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Thank you for joining us this week. Got a great show for you. Steve Mailer is going to be back with a guest talking about things to deal with rodeo and special events and all that kind of stuff. And we are going to be talking about GPS tracking and some of the devices that are out there that could make your life easier. But is this a question of security? Is it a question of privacy? We're going to explore that a little bit. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome as always to this week's show. Hello. Hi there. So looking at going forward, we might actually have an in-person special event next month. We're hoping we'll see what happens. I mean, the world's changing, it seems like, day by day with all of this stuff. So we'll let you know when we get there. But first, with no further ado, let's go into the news. Sunrise Stretch Massage Treating Stress, Pain, and Injury. Scheduled today for a therapeutic massage tailored for you. We offer a 10% discount for your first visit. That's sunrisestretch.org. So what's in the news? Microsoft secures court order to take down malicious homoglyph domains. What's a homoglyph domain? Yeah, Yeah, good question to start with here. A homoglyph domain is a domain that is given out with the idea of spoofing a real one. So an example of this is you have Microsoft.com for Microsoft, Mm -hmm. and they might register ML instead of MI. So capital-wise, it looks like it's the same thing. But since mm-hmm. it's an L instead of an I, it goes to a completely different place. Yeah, I think, wasn't there a porn site for a long time that was White House something? Yeah, so there, these kind of yeah. things exist. But in this particular situation, uh, it's designed to steal information from legitimate things. Mm-hmm. Um, like nationalsafetyconsulting.com with the U and the I switched in the spelling. These kind of things are a problem. Uh, they have been for a long time. because. It's easy to misspell a word sometimes and that type of thing. You get something completely different. Mm -hmm. So they've been able to actually go out and get a court order to get these removed where the providers have to stop providing service in these cases if it's something that's specifically designed to impersonate a customer or something of that nature and commit fraud. Jet fuel shortage affects Western airports. Yeah, this has been an issue. In fact, a (laughs) a friend of mine got stuck with this. Um, So what's going on is... A lot of the Western airports, and this is affecting a number of different states, including Oregon, California, Nevada, and so on, in that there isn't enough jet fuel available for a variety of reasons to be able to get all of the aircraft going. So it's causing some delays. It's causing delays in shipping. And what's going on here is it's a combination of that there's a truck driver shortage. So getting the fuel in has been a little bit more difficult. And then with all the fires we've been having lately, the fuel that is there, a lot of it's being used to fight the fires. So hmm. as a result of those two different things going on, it is definitely creating an issue here. So what they're saying to do is call ahead and just like you normally would do, make sure the flights there are okay. Southwest has been affected by this. I think Alaska Airlines has too. They're trying to work around it by adding stops in other places so they can fuel up and that type of thing. So just another symptom of a very strange year. Dell Alienware desktops can't be shipped or sold in numerous states. Why? Yeah, this is a this is a bummer if you're in these states. It's actually six states. Okay. That are having uh, this kind of a situation, and what it is is they're saying that the power consumption does not meet local local regulations. So, in other words, the unit uses more power 
than the arbitrary rules allow. The states where this is uh, a problem, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. Huh. So uh, now I use an Alienware desktop. I guess mine probably is within this with its 1,000-watt power supply. And um, so for right now, it couldn't be sold. So that makes it a little bit of a unique item. There's a couple of models that are still okay, mm-hmm. but the really high-end gaming machines. And, you know, part of the reason why you have these huge power supplies and all that kind of thing is the graphics. Yeah. So more so than the computer itself, in some cases, the graphics computer on the card is more powerful than the main one in the computer. That's also why they're using graphic cards for Bitcoin mining. And it's an interesting thing, but you're basically running two full-on computers. So, yeah, it does take a lot of resources to do that. So we'll have to see where they go from here. They'll either have to downsize the power supply or if that can even work or figure something else out. Home Depot. Oh, wait, sorry. Quest 2 sales paused as 4 million facial interfaces are recalled. Yeah, and they're not from Home Depot. We'll get to that. No, no, no that's, that, was, that was my say, my slip up. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, the Oculus Quest 2, which is a headset we've all tried out. We've talked about it on the air. We will in the future, too. Something that I really like and would like to actually be able to find a little more time to use. Me, too. Um, I think we're going to actually make that happen here. But in any event, they're having a problem that there's a foam shell that sits between the unit and your face. So this is, if you haven't seen one, it's a headset you wear that blocks out everything around you and has a built-in screen. So it's actually Mm -hmm. in physical contact with your head. And uh, there's been a problem that's been coming up with some people having a reaction to these uh, foam shields. So what they're doing is sending a cover or replacement. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on how to deal with that if you have one, but it is something that uh, I I would recommend doing because if there's this kind of a situation, there's something in there that maybe we don't want to have around. The sales will resume once this problem is resolved, so they're not pulling it from the market or anything like that, and it is something that you can fix on your own. It's not like an electronic thing or something where you'd have to get into the machine, so they'll send the new cover, the instructions of how to put it on, and then you should be safe and good to go. Home Depot deploys Bluetooth to combat organized retail crime by preventing stolen items from working. Yeah, interesting idea. So they're having a lot more problems with this shoplifting, but more than just shoplifting, organized groups coming into stores and just grabbing and running. Yep. And Home Depot's idea here is that devices, especially expensive devices, this would be things like high-end drills or Mm-hmm. sets that do different things, um, things like your Ryobi, uh, where your devices are $100 a piece, and then the batteries cost money, and they're all really great tools. But a lot of that kind of thing is small, it's targeted to be stolen, it can, you can get rid of it easily, that type of thing, is creating a situation here where the device physically will, will not operate until it is scanned at the cash register. So in other words... It- it works like a gift card. Yeah, it works like a gift card. So, and it's the same. Yeah, and that's actually a good comparison, Jeremy. If you steal a gift card, it doesn't do. It's not going to do you any good. And that really helped with gift card theft. So the idea is this takes it a step further. So if you steal that drill, it, it simply will not operate. So kind of the idea is is what is the point of stealing the drill? And I, I don't know, Jeremy. Don't get into details on on any of this of where. But have you seen shoplifting increase? Is this a problem that you're seeing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. It's you know, like I said, it's organized groups or um, 
guys who just really are, are, are short on cash and they really want to make their fast cash with, its, you know, pawning tools. Right. So. And, and tools are a big deal. They have a lot of value. They're useful mm-hmm. and they're expensive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, especially the good stuff. And um, I, I know you and I have I've had this conversation. You have the Ryobi system. I've got the DeWalt system. And I just needed to get a pressure washer, and all of that was about $300. Now, I will say it's one of the wow. best pressure washers I've ever had. Yeah. And because it runs off batteries instead of the um, motor, like a gasoline engine, you just put the battery in and push the button, and, and it works. I mean, these are great. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, I love uh, my tools. Yeah. You know, and going <laughs> from there. And just as a little aside on this, because we have had this as a listener question come in. Gretchen, you've been using your battery-operated lawnmower and snowblower, I think it is, mm-hmm. for a year now. Do you yeah. still like them? Yes. Uh, we haven't gotten to use the snowblower as much as I would have liked, uh, but the lawnmower has been totally awesome. I- I'm no longer afraid of my lawnmower for some reason, and I will go out and <laughs> use it, and, and that gives Jeremy a break from being stuck doing all that yard work. Yeah, and, and batteries are coming into their own on this kind of stuff. I know that. Uh, it's a big difference than what it used to be. It's like, oh, a battery-operated thing is not going to work for very long or have any power, and that's just not the way of it anymore. But yeah, yeah. these kind of tools are expensive, and I know the batteries are expensive. Mm-hmm. So the idea of that being stolen, I can see, is definitely being a thing. So we'll have to follow this and see if this actually helps to dissuade this and how it actually works out, and if the bad guys eventually find a workaround to be able to somehow activate them off-site. Apple patches zero-day vulnerability in iOS, iPadOS, and macOS that are under active attack. Yeah, so this is an update that has come out. Uh, it was released this last week. As long as you have your updates configured, it should be on there by now. But what it was is a situation where the bad actors had figured out a way to execute administrative code from inside an app. So in other words, if your system's restricted so that it doesn't have that ability they can still get basically root access to the device and access to all of your stored information, all that kind of stuff. So kind of a bad thing from that standpoint. This is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've been getting a lot of questions in about GPS trackers and some of the different systems that have been designed for this. We've talked earlier in the year about some of the things that Amazon's coming up with, like Sidewalk and Amazon Key and some other things along these lines. And there is a lot of concern out there about security and the things related to that. And then also a lot of information on what these things can actually do, which in a way is kind of cool. So to start with a definition of these two networks, let's start with Amazon Sidewalk. Now, what Amazon Sidewalk is, is a system whereby a portion of your bandwidth, everybody's bandwidth is shared as long as you have it turned on. And if you have a tracker like a tile device or something of that nature where you're walking down the street and you drop your keys, it's going to be out of range probably of your local network. But with something like a sidewalk system is any network that it can attach to, you can go on your phone and find it on a GPS map. So that's kind of a cool thing. They also have a dog collar, and the dog collar has the same idea. So if your dog runs off, 
and he's in range of one of these networks, you would be able to find him on the map. Are they expensive? The collars, you know, not too bad. I mean, these devices, the tiles go for about 25 bucks. The collars a little more. So it's not in the hundreds of dollars or anything like that. And it depends a little bit on where you buy them, too. Big box retailers, I found them at Best Buy. You can get them at Amazon, of course, too, and, and a number of other places. So getting that type of a system and putting it together isn't too bad. So as long as you have things set up and the tile devices... You don't even have to have the Echo equipment in order for it to work. It'll work with a smartphone and an app. So there isn't really that big of a barrier to entry on it from that standpoint. But the concern with this has been the idea of privacy. And where this got a little bit weird, uh, in my opinion, is that you were opted into it automatically if you own the appropriate Amazon device being opted into sharing bandwidth. Yeah. So... This works primarily with the newer generation Echo devices, so the ones with the screens, the newer ones, and the ones without, and all that kind of thing, as well as components from the Ring system. <laughs> so if you have a Ring floodlight or a Ring doorbell or something like that, third generation, I think, and newer, they will have the ability to share this bandwidth. Now, I've done a little bit of digging into this because a lot of programmers and technical experts are saying, well, you should go in and shut this off. And you can certainly do that if you want to. Through the app, there's a procedure in there to be able to deal with it. But the question is, is it really a security problem? And I'm looking at this and have kind of seen how it's set up and that type of thing. And right now, I don't think it's any bigger risk than just having Wi-Fi. The networks are provisioned off and there's no way, or I, I would never say there's no way, but the way it's designed is that you can't go to another person that has a ring doorbell and use that little bit of bandwidth to get on the internet or anything like that. It has to work with the devices that are designed to work with it. Now, can this be hacked or worked around or that type of thing? Most likely, at the end of the day, you know, pretty much anything can. Mm -hmm. But I haven't made the choice to turn it off. I don't, I just, looking at it and seeing the way that it works, I haven't been that worried about it. And there's certainly a lot of other things with being online that are a lot more in the way of exposure and that type of thing. But I don't know. What for me was weird was that it was kind of almost secretive in the way it was deployed. At least it felt like that. Yeah. And you're automatically on it uh, unless you opt out. I don't know. What do you both think about this? Uh, you know, it, it could have been during the time that they developed it that there was a lot of... Um uh negativity in the news and social media and maybe they felt um ill at ease i don't know yeah and just but with all the hacking going on and stuff lately too i I can see the idea of kind of just a an odd you know it's like okay you want to know what's going on but then i did a little bit of more research in this and found out that xfinity does the same thing um the cable company if you have an xfinity router if you look in environments where Xfinity is, you'll see a wireless network. And I originally thinking, oh, there's a wireless router somewhere. No, what it is is everybody that has Xfinity routers that hasn't gone in and disabled it, it's sharing bandwidth. Same idea. Hmm, and and again, crazy. that isn't something that you opt into. It's set up unless you turn it off. So it's just weird. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. This, uh, this type of thing, you know, trusting tech and with all that's been going on lately, I kind of really get where you want to be very concerned about these things, which brings me to the next system. And again, we've talked about this in the past, but we're really seeing how it's deployed is Amazon Key. Now, this one's a little bit more directly invasive. The idea here is with certain smart locks and other technologies, 
And you do have to opt in on this one, by the way, and set it up. It's not on automatic. Yeah. yeah. But Amazon can open your house, the trunk of your car, your garage door, whatever it is you set up. Uh, the idea being a way to combat porch pirates that they can set your packages inside the trunk or inside the garage or whatever it may be. And this type of technology has been around for a little while now. There was a lot of controversy when it first came out, too. And I know a lot of people just flat out won't use it. And then a lot of people have had no problems with it. I haven't been able to find information where anybody's been robbed or something by the delivery driver. There doesn't seem to be that kind of a problem. Uh, if it is, they've uh, blocked the information. But I think that would be awfully hard to do because I know if I came home and found that to be the case, I would be all over social media complaining about it. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and, and, you know, I kind of liked um, the idea that there was a version that was for uh, apartment buildings. Oh, yes, the Amazon Key for Business. And thank you for, for mentioning that because, yes, that is the other kind of part of this technology. And the idea with that is that if you live in a big apartment complex, the apartment complex people can arrange with Amazon to have a key to the common areas of the building, not to your apartment. And it's digital key. And then they can get in and deliver your packages inside in a secured area or to a mail room or whatever the case may be with that. And I think that one kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's better than just leaving it out in the street. Okay, now you have to trust your neighbors not to steal your stuff. But at least it's confined to your neighbors. Yeah, not just some weird guy on the street. And the thing of it is, is it, it does create a layer of security where it's a lot less likely that you're going to have to deal with that. I know some of the videos, and you can find these online, but there was, when it was 117 degrees in the Portland area, a lady had had an air conditioner delivered. The driver drops it off on her porch, and she had to ring camera, so all this is on the camera. Less than five minutes later, it was stolen. And, wow. <laughs> you know, so these things do happen. So security is an issue, but having your house locked is one, too. Let us know what you think about all this. Send us your feedback. Do you use this stuff? Are you never going to use it? Let us know what you think. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where you ask questions and we answer them, or at least endeavor to. How do you send us your questions? That's a good question. Give us a phone call, 503-766-6264, social media, one user-friendly on Facebook or Twitter, or check out our website, userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? What is rewarded play? Listener question here, and this is <clears throat> actually a proper name. It's an application that's available both for Apple and Google. Hmm. And I looked into this a little bit to see what it is. I've seen commercials for this, so there was a curiosity there. And the idea of this is that uh, you download your app, their app, and they have games on it. It will also work with some third-party games. And as you play the games, you earn levels that eventually get you gift cards for places like Walmart or Target. Or oh! Whatever. So it's that kind of a thing. So... From the feedback and from looking at it, it looks like it is genuine in the sense of that's what it does. Um, collecting personal information is always a concern on these type of apps. Yeah. The other thing of it is, is the biggest complaints seem to be that their payouts are late. And there is a tier where when you get active, so you're given activities that you have to complete to be able to earn these rewards. And when you first start out, the payout is higher and it kind of goes down as uh -huh. you use it over time. Ha! 
Yeah. So is it worth it? Maybe. Um, I, you're not going to make your millions off of it, though. Is Amazon accepting Bitcoin for payment? This question comes from a rumor last week that Amazon mm-hmm. was hiring for somebody to manage Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and that type of thing. So we reached out, and according to Amazon, the answer to this is no. While they're exploring all kinds of options, he said, to different things that might meet the needs of Amazon users. So this was a very you know, pre-written answer. <laughs> they are not planning to accept Bitcoin at this time. So that was the response from Amazon. So the fact that they're hiring somebody to look into it may or may not you know, make this something that happens on down the future. And it also is very possible with them that if they did do it, they might do it on something like their Amazon Web Services, but not necessarily on the Amazon buying side. So we'll see if that happens. But for right now, it is a steadfast no. Okay. How do I get my recall completed on my Quest 2? All right. We talked about this in the news segment, the recall for the Oculus Quest 2 foam border. A lot of people are having a reaction to that. What we'll do is go ahead and actually post this on our social media, one user friendly on Twitter or Facebook. Go ahead and look for it there. There's a link and you go to the Facebook website to fill out a form and then they send you, I think it's a cover for it. I haven't done mine yet, but uh, that's what they're looking at doing. Will I lose access to my Google Drive files in September? Yeah, listener question on this one too. I had to do a little bit of digging to try to find I, what this I is. I saw something like this come across my tablet, so I'm I'm wondering too. Yeah, and it's uh, so what it is is uh, are you going to lose access to your files on Google Drive in September? The answer to that is no. But there is a caveat on this. They're changing the way the security is working for file shares. So where this could affect something is if you've had a file shared with you by somebody else, mm. which you can do through Google Drive, and specifically if you haven't opened that file yet. So if you've oh. opened the file, you won't lose access. But if you have not opened the file and it's something that's been shared to you outside of the organization that you're on, then the link will be disabled come September, and the person that shared it with you will have to share it with you again. So again, you will not lose access to your own files. This just has to do with other people that you may have given access to your stuff. And in that case, just make sure they open the file that you've shared with them before the September deadline comes up. Did eBay really attack people publishing a newsletter? You know, interesting story here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you look at something like this. So the, the gist of this, the answer to this is it was eBay employees. So as long as you consider that eBay, the answer to this is yes. An attack, uh, not a physical attack, but it was online harassment is what it looks like. The person has pled out in court on this. And Hmm. what it was is some people were writing an electronic newsletter. The electronic newsletter did not hold eBay in a high light. Mm. And as a result, uh, these people took it upon themselves to respond to that. Now, eBay as a company has disavowed this and you know made all the statements that they don't act that way and on and on. I've been on eBay since the late 90s. I've never yeah. run into a problem like this. But the thing of it is, is when you think about it, this is a little creepy. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I've read the article. It is definitely creepy. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I Anything in this world right now, you know, it's all possible. So just keep an eye on things. But yeah, that looks like that actually did happen. This is User Friendly 2.0. After the break, we've got a great interview for you. So stay tuned.
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Steve Mailer is joining us today with his guest, Stuart Campbell. Well, thank you, Bill. You know, it's always fun bringing back people who have been on the show before because uh, you want to catch up and see what they're doing, what's current, what's exciting, what's new. And I have a uh, very good friend with me again today, uh, Stuart Campbell of LoadedTV.com. Stuart was on with us uh, um, some months back talking about some of the things that his company does as a, uh, a streaming media service and also things that he's done in legal videography, which, believe me, is a world all on its own. Stuart, thank you so much for joining me here again on User Friendly. It's nice, nice good to see you. You too, Steve. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no, it's it's always a pleasure. Um, I like uh, catching up with my friends and seeing what they're doing. And according to Facebook, you have had an enormously busy summer. Uh, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> and, and you're still in the middle. You're still in the middle of having an enormous... In fact, you've just started. You're in a, the, the, the midst of a 31-day run yes. with Art Town uh, in downtown Reno. So how long has Art Town actually been running for 2021? Um, it started July 1st and runs through uh, July 31st. Okay, so you have a fairly long trek ahead of you. Yes. <laughs> okay, and, and what, what to add to that, which is mind-blowing for me because I know how tired I would be if I was in the midst of as much production as you guys are doing, is that you, prior to Art Town, you just finished about two weeks with the Reno Rodeo. We did, yeah. So, um, and I did see some of the shenanigans that were going on backstage <laughs> Uh, at Reno Rodeo. Tell us some of some of the experiences that you not only had, but that you bring to people uh, sure. through LoadedTV.com at events like Reno Rodeo. What are some of the things that, that people saw? It's unique because we're showing the behind the scenes action. Okay. Um, so basically we're live streaming to the Reno Rodeo's Facebook page, YouTube channels, okay. uh, what they decide to kind of stream to. Um, but we're doing a lot of kind of like uh, winners interviews behind the scenes, kind of things that you wouldn't really see when you just come in person, sit in the arena and I watch see. the night events. Okay. So you're not just presenting the events that the crowd who were live are also seeing. You're, you're seeing an entirely new different aspect that people in the public probably wouldn't have access to. Correct. You're learning about the stock, you know, the cattle they use, the horses oh, wow. that they bring in. Uh, we even go out and we cover the cattle drive, which 60 guests each year kind of pay to go on. Okay. But we go out and we cover that to show kind of this Western experience of kind of almost stepping back in time to go on a cattle drive and the, the old wagons oh my God, and that stuff is like amazing. that. amazing. Yeah. You know, I may have to look at some of your footage because I do a lot of uh, Western genre production, dramatics, okay. documentaries. Um, you may have some interesting footage. I don't know. Would you license something like that? We can. Indeed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at your library. And how, no, so as a producer myself, in approaching something that is as big as a Reno rodeo, how do you block things? How do you choreograph and how do you decide the logistics of how you cover something like that? Like, do you have it's, cameras kind of like all along the cattle? No, we, we do it in stages. So, okay. um, one of the biggest things is the use of drones, though. Of so course, that we've makes been sense. able to kind of go out and kind of follow, especially from a distance, um, using drones and then learning to kind of work with the horses as well. So that when coming in at a certain <laughs> height, so it doesn't oh, spook the horse. Yes. You know, so wow. the rodeo has been extremely good with us um, in the sense of experimenting with new technology, live streaming, drones, That is fantastic. You know, that, uh, that should have occurred to me. 
the drones would be perfect for something yeah. like that. <laughs> so if someone, have you ever like in, in, at the rodeo, in maybe one of the main arenas, if someone is riding hard and fast on a horse, would a drone follow and catch that? So this was actually the first year that they allowed us to use FPV drones. Okay. So um, I found this wonderful pilot uh, called Matthew Andrew, um, who he kind of grew up just, uh, well, kind of started last year just on simulators. Okay. And then he finally decided in December to get his um, pilot's license to okay. actually practice chasing planes. Wow. When I saw his style of filming... I was like, hey, do you want to come to the Reno Rodeo and chase bulls and horses? So for those of us who aren't, aren't drone pilots or drone savvy, what is FPV? So that is first person view. First so person view. Okay. Gotcha. Much smaller drones, faster. He flies wearing goggles. So okay. he is literally looking out to the nose of the drone gotcha. and being able to then chase a horse. Oh my God, chase. that's amazing. And Okay, I need to see some of that footage yeah. for sure. All right. So, it was wow. pretty cool because this was the first year as well that <laughs> yeah. Kit Moore, um, also who performed live at the Arena Rodeo, um, allowed the drone to fly through the stage, okay. over the drummer, and then come around in front of him as he was performing on the oh stage. Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh my God, that sounds so cool. <laughs> um, so after the, after the rodeo, then, then now you're into Art Town. Correct. So... Your um, we had an interview with uh, Oliver X, who's is the the, exec, the executive director, and he has explained some of the events that you're covering. Um, logistically, how how different is this from the Reno Rodeo in terms of coverage? Kind of similar, but we're treating it more like a news station. So oh. we go out, and um, for example, one of my guys, David Fleming. He goes out and he, straight after the morning show, he'll go and then film what's going on through the day. And then we put together like a highlights package. Okay. So then the following day, if you missed out on what happened, we cover, you know, show the highlights mm -hmm. of what happened the previous day and then preview all the events that are happening that day. Okay. So it keeps people up to date to the minute of what is going on, what's happening. Because sometimes in a day, for example, this weekend, Art Town just had in one day 10 events going on all over town. So there's wow. things people are going to miss out on. Okay. So you have, you, in order to do that, sorry, did you actually cover all 10 events? Uh, we go for the top ones, as many as David can cover in one day. <laughs> oh, so Dave, David is the, he's the EFP guy. He just kind of goes to all the different locations. Oh, Correct. wow. Yep. So you, um, you wouldn't, is there been no consideration or is there like a budgetary thing as to why you don't have more crews to yeah, cover something it's, like that? It's something again with events where they're starting to realize the use of live streaming. And each year, as we were just talking about with Reno Rodeo, how they've realized and how they've they're monetized, you know, live streaming platform. And it's become another, you know, kind of moneymaker for them. Sure. And this is where Art Town saw the model at the Reno Rodeo. And only last year asked us because of COVID to do the okay. virtual events. And then this year, again, expanding. So it's one step after the other. So our town was, it was 100% virtual last year. Correct. Okay. 
um, how did that work out for them? Really well. Really well. It okay. was obviously they had to pivot very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and as a, a an organization that has sponsors, has events, mm-hmm. uh, they had to make a decision either do nothing okay. or for some of the sponsor money they'd already got in, produce an event, but do it virtually. Nice. Well, I love hearing how you're using technology, the the drones at Rodeo and the live streaming and the delivery platforms, because we like that kind of technology. Stuart Campbell, again, thank you for joining me here on User Friendly. It's fun to see how busy you are, and it's great. Uh, Bill, Jerry, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, as always, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week, guys. You know, I don't know. The idea on all of the tracking stuff and invasion of privacy, I think, is something to be concerned. But I love the idea that if you were to lose a pet, this actually would be a system that might be able to help you find them. It would be nice. Yeah. So we'll have to see where this goes. And I think with any new technology, it's normal for everybody to be skeptical. So uh, we'll see where this ends up. Upcoming events next week is uh, Black Hat. Now, we do have one little issue here. Our uh, reporter that is going to cover it is dealing with a personal emergency, so please keep him in your prayers. If uh, he can't make it to the event, we'll be covering this virtually, so we'll let you know what happens with that. And Jeremy and Gretchen, I know that you went and got to go see the new G.I. Joe movie. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, it was called Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Um, It's... A prequel to the other two movies they've already released. Oh, I didn't know about that. With a different actor as Snake Eyes. Okay. Oh, that's a, okay. <laughs> so it's a it's a little bit weird. <laughs> I covering it. Oh, I, 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 I didn't know anything about the previous. It's films. a good movie. Okay. It's just it's just the idea that we've had two movies with this character in it. Now we're in a third movie with this character in it, but it's a different actor playing the character. Oh well, I liked him. Oh, he did good. He did fine. Okay. Uh, but you know, traditionally with GI Joe as a comic book thing as a cartoon as a toy. from the 80s as a toy um you know it's kind of like oh well they didn't do that thing or that thing yeah i guess it didn't really matter and you know it's a movie so right, right right but it was it was good the acting was fine the special effects were good uh the costuming was fabulous the sets were great i and mean i actually thought the story was good i yeah. mean it's a nice balance of you know sometimes with action stories they forget the story. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's all about running into that many a, times. <laughs> and, I, and I get so tired of just a bunch of explosions and people running around. That, that starts to really bore me. Yeah. But this did a nice combination of telling a story. You have the, the, the characters going through emotional um, dilemmas and trauma. And then uh, working to make that decision. And it is action filled in, you know, in between. Yeah. It's not Michael Bay, so it's cool. So would you, would um, you recommend this? And the other question I always ask is, is it one to bring the family? Um, yeah, it's not yeah. super, super violent. I think it's PG-13. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you could bring the kids. Yeah, there there are a few things that might be a little upsetting, but uh, you don't want to bring really tiny kids. You know, maybe like, you know, uh, teens. Yeah. Okay. But right. it, uh, as with the, with things, the way things are going, the six of us enjoyed the film. Cool. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, cool. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a, it was an all nearly empty theater. Yeah. So I mean, now is now is the time to go back to the movies because there's nobody there. There's nobody yeah, else and, there. and it was worth seeing in the theater. It was it was fun. Yeah. Visually, really pleasing. That's cool. I know I'm looking forward to going back to the theater too, and we'll see how things go. And on that note, our special events are on our website, COVID permitting. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.